And if you would take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 10, looking at a familiar passage of scripture, one of the, some of these verses are the, you know, the, uh, what's often commonly called the Romans road or the 12 steps to salvation that these salvation gurus teach. But anyway, um, that's, I'm not going to do that this morning because I don't do that anymore. But anyway, um. I, I, it's going to be, I think, very simple um, as we consider what it has to say to us. So let's read it, verses 12 through 21, Romans chapter 10. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But they say, Have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sign went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, Did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that ask not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth mine hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So I titled the message this morning simply, Sent as the voice of God. Sent as the voice of God. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. We'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. And Father, we thank you that you have given us your word uh, so that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we might leave the foundation and grow, on, grow to be complete and whole, a, a complete house, if you will, glorifying and honoring to thee that will bring forth fruit uh, unto eternal life. So just have your will and your way, and may you be glorified. Speak to our hearts and challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, the first part of the chapter, Paul is talking about his desire for Israel is that they might be saved. And they had a knowledge or zeal. They had a zeal of God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. Uh, Time moves on, but things don't change. You know, we live in an area where there is a, a, a zeal, if you will, a lot, a lot, amongst a lot of people, but it's off base. It's not according to the scriptures. As we were talking about in Sunday school, the end of Sunday school class, you know, they go about to establish their own righteous, their own standard, or their own thoughts, their ideas of what salvation is and what the Christian life is. 
That's what the Pharisees did. You know, you couldn't do that. You know, the Bible is here, or a true Christianity is here, and you can do that by going to the right and being more conservative, or you can do that by going to the left. Either one is wrong. Either one is establishing your own standard. And that's really what the Jews had done. But Paul said there's no difference. The Jew or the Gentile gets saved the same way. It's the same gospel to all. There is no difference in verse 12. And, and he, he starts out here, he starts out with calling on the Lord and then goes steps back to what brings about that calling. I'm going to start at the back end or at the front and what brings a person to the calling on the Lord. So, so and I have simply four things I'm going to mention uh, and they all end with I-N-G. Number one, sending. Number two, hearing. Number three, believing. And then number four, calling. So first of all, the sending. In verse 15 he says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So there is a sending. In John chapter 20 and verse 21 uh, Jesus told the disciples, said to the disciples, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. you know, God the Father sent his Son into the world as the Savior of the world, and the Son has sent us into the world as witnesses for him. You know, he has gone back to heaven. And, and when we go out those doors... Sent forth into the world to live and to work and to give a witness of the saving power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our purpose here. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we have been authorized by the Lord from, from from, from the authority of heaven, the God of heaven, to go into the world as His representatives, just like an ambassador to, to Israel, let's say, has authority of the United States to represent the United States in Israel. He's authorized by our government. And we've been authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ to take the message of the gospel into the world. The word preaching simply means you know, to teach with an intent to persuade from a point of authority. That's, that's what preaching is. And he says, how shall they preach except they be sent? You know, we have been sent. What we call the Great Commission is mentioned five times in the Scripture. Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, uh, Luke chapter 24, Acts chapter 1, and it's on John chapter 20, as we just saw. Uh, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And a preacher is not just somebody like me. A preacher here in this context is one who proclaims or heralds forth. So when you and I go out those doors, we're preachers. We're to preach the gospel. We're to herald the forth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Acts chapter eight, verse four says, you know, after the persecution of Stephen, it says, And they, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. But I have you know the disciples all stayed at Jerusalem. It wasn't disciples that scattered at this point. 
It was the people that scattered. And wherever they went, they shared the gospel with people they came in contact with. And that's what you and I are to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, you and I, when we got, since we've been saved, we have a divine purpose beyond, over and above, our work in the workplace. God has set us in this area to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's put you in places where you'll meet people that need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are, we are been commissioned or we have been sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been authorized, sent into the world to proclaim that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, my, the question people will ask is, well, what is our authority? What is our authority? Well, it's the church. Eh, not the church. Well, it's our pastor. You know, people will say, you ask them, what do you believe? Well, I believe what my church believes. Well, what does your well, what church believes? Well, my pastor believes. Nah, that's the wrong thing, too. No, our authority, of course, is the word of God. That's what we're to give them. You know, in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, the Bible says, If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul told Timothy to preach the word. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1 and 2, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So, you know, uh, Isaiah also says in Isaiah 8.20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, is because there is no light in them. So the word of God is our authority. You know, 1 John 5.13.11-13 says this, And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye might know that ye have eternal life, and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, this is the record. This is the authority. This is what we're to give them. The word of the living God. And so you and I have been sent into the world with the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here there's ascending. Second thing we see here is there's hearing. There's hearing. In verses 14 and verse 16, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then in verse 16, again it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now the word hear in verse 14, means to perceive anyone's voice, i.e., the voice 
of Christ, whose voice is heard in the instruction of his messengers. So when you, so the idea of hearing here is, this is when that you and I give the word of God, they're not really hearing our voice. They're hearing Christ. It's the word of God they're hearing. It's God they're hearing. So, you know, they need to be hear, hearing. So the idea here, of course, is that they hear the Lord Jesus through your words. Through your words. You know, the, we see this illustrated many places in the Bible. For example, Deuteronomy 13, 18. Moses said, When thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments, which I command thee this day. Notice, he said, I command thee this day. What was he, what was he commanded? The words of the Lord thy God. But it was through Moses' voice. Again, in Deuteronomy 15, verse 5. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. So Moses was God's mouthpiece and they were hearing God's words by Moses' voice. Do you ever think about the fact when you're out there witnessing it's God's words that they need to hear, that they hear. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Saul has been chosen king. And Samuel had given him some instructions. And I want you to notice in verse 19. 1 Samuel 15, 19. Samuel says, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, what's he referring to? We'll go back to chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, when it came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So Samuel is the one who has the privilege of taking God's words. He was the, the, the Lord's mouthpiece, and he took those words to Saul, and he says, this is the word of the Lord. And it wasn't, therefore, it wasn't Samuel that Saul disobeyed. It was the Lord. Even though it was Samuel that gave him the message. You know, when you hear the word of God preached and you don't heed it, it's not the preacher you're not listening to. It's the word of God. And when people don't heed your witness, it's not you they're not heeding don't yeah. You know, so often, and and I I'm this way too. We get discouraged because people don't heed what we say. But it's not us they're rejecting. It feels like it, but it's not. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Look at Acts chapter.
um, 13, Acts chapter 13. Again, we see this in the New Testament, Acts 13, and verse 7. It says, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Uh, verse 44 says, the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So, again, they were hearing the word of God, but it was through human instruments, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Chapter 15, verse 7, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know that well, a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my voice should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He said, by my voice they would hear the word of the gospel. And Paul uses the church at Thessalonica as an, as an example of this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, he said, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which was delivered, delivered us from the wrath to come. So they were an example. You know, the people, they were a, a voice for the Lord, and, and through their words and their actions and attitudes, others were being brought to Christ. So we should confidently proclaim the gospel knowing we are authorized as God's witnesses, as his mouthpiece, as his voice, so that they might hear, they might hear, that they might perceive it's the words of the Lord and not the words, just the words of men. You know, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians said, you received it as it was in truth, the word of God. Not the words of men, but the word of God. And so there needs to be a hearing. There needs to be a sending, and then there needs to be a hearing. But notice the third thing. There needs to be believing. The word believing. Notice in verse 14. How then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And again, in verse 16, the word is used. For they have not obeyed the gospel. Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Now, the word believe has several different definitions in the Scripture. But in this context, in this passage here, the word believed or believing means a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah. Co-joined or... or, or uh, with the idea that he is a divinely appointed author of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God, co-joined with obedience to Christ to have a faith directed unto, believing or in faith to give oneself up to Jesus Christ. So you can see in that definition, what you have is a, a surrender of your will, giving oneself up to, putting full, complete trust in Jesus Christ as Lord 
and Savior. Uh, John 16, 27 says, For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed. In other words, he's, he, what he's saying to the disciples here is, you are fully convinced, and you are, you are fully trusting, and you've given yourselves up to, you know, they, had, they forsook their nets and followed him. They gave themselves up to him, to follow him. So he said, what, you, what he's saying here, you have fully given yourselves up to me, to follow me, trusting me. You have believed that I came out from God. In Acts chapter 8, speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe. I have full trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he died for me. I'm not putting my complete trust in surrendering my will to him. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Philippian jailer, Paul said to the Philippian jailer in Acts 13, 16, 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And so, again, the, the idea that there must be acknowledgement joined to appropriate trust. Appropriate trust. And in Acts 16, 34, it says, Of the Philippian jailer, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. There was a trust there. There was a dependence. You see, it's not a matter of not knowing. It's not a matter of not knowing. And Paul, what Paul's saying here in the passage is, it's not a matter of the Jews not knowing. It was, the problem isn't a lack of knowledge. You know, the problem with people here in this area is not a lack of knowledge. No, that is a problem. The reason they're ignorant is because they want to be. You see, there are so many like Rhoda, she went to hearken or to answer the door. But instead of opening the door, she ran back. You know, they come to answer the door. The door is Christ. But instead of opening the door, they turn around and go the other way. See, they hear the truth of the gospel, they know it is true, but they won't open the door of their heart. And Paul, in this passage, illustrates that with unbelieving Israel. As a warning, as we're going to see in chapter 11, as a warning to we Gentiles. You notice in verse 8 he says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. In other words, it's, it's near, it's nigh you. And that's a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verses 11 through 18. Turn over there for a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 18. <clears throat> Where Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and he says this, Deuteronomy 30, 11, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down unto us, 
that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart, and here's the problem, if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. He said, you know, the, the, it's the commandment and the law, it's not, it's not far from thee. The word's not far from you. I'm giving it to you. You're hearing it. It's right here. It's in front of your face, if you will. The problem is that they didn't hear. The problem is their hearts turned away. And they would not hear. You see, it's not a lack of not knowing. In fact, he goes, in verse 16, he says, Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Of course, that's Isaiah 51, or 53, verse 1. That's how it starts. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who hath believed? In verse 18, he says, have they not heard? And then he says, yes, truly, verily, truly, yes, truly they've heard. Verse 19, did Israel not know? First Moses saith, then Isaiah is very bold. He says, and, and he concludes with this. The problem is these are a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now I looked up those two words. Disobedient. And the definition as, as the word is used here means not to allow oneself to be persuaded or to comply with so as to refuse belief and obedience. So you see, it's a choice to refuse, not to allow yourself to be persuaded. The word gainsaying means to speak against, to contradict, to oppose oneself to one. Decline to obey him. Declare oneself against him. Refuse to have anything to do with him. So, so they've chosen. They've not allowed themselves to be persuaded. And then they go a step farther and they contradict it. Or they oppose it. Some people, some people have this thinking, I think. I'm not a mind reader. But I think some people think if I refuse to believe it or agree with it, that means I don't have to do it. If you not allow yourself to be persuaded, refuse to believe and speak against it or contradict, you're posing yourself. Disobedience and gainsaying is wicked. It's wicked. See, again, the, the problem is not knowing. 
problem is people refuse to believe it. I knocked at the door and somebody that we had a Bible study with yesterday. They weren't very friendly. They were friendly before. You know what the problem is? They've been confronted with the truth that they said they wanted, but now they don't want it. You know, Jesus continually said things like this, John 5.40, and ye will not come to me. You will not come to me that you might have life. John 5.43, I am become my Father's name, and ye receive me not. That's a deliberate refusal. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. That's speaking of the Antichrist. And they're going to receive the Antichrist. Herein lies the problem. John chapter 3. Why is it that people refuse to hear the word of the Lord? Why is it that we struggle with it at times and sometimes we don't want to hear it? It's the same reason. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming in the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh the light, that his deeds might be made, may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You see, that is, that was, and is, is Israel as a people to this day. That's a lot of people in this area. Even, even Nicodemus said this, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We know it. Now notice he said, we know it. He didn't say, I know it. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body in Israel, in Judea, that governed the whole, all the actions of the temple and, and all that polit- and the, and, and the uh, religious life of the children of Israel. He, but he said, we know. We know it. See, the problem isn't not knowing. It's not knowing. Jude, verse 5 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. It's not a matter of us not knowing that we are sinning against God. It's that we don't want to obey. We want to have our own way. And the Lord will lay on us the iniquity of our way. You know, it's amazing to me how some people can seem to discern truth and Bible principles so quickly. And others are so slow. I've come to the conclusion that it is a matter of willingness. The will. John seven seventeen. the Bible says, If any man will do his will, 
In other words, if any man has a will or desire to do the will of God, he shall know of the truth. He shall know the doctrine, whether I speak of myself. Make sure I quote this right. Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. He'll know the truth if he has a will or desire or a willingness to do it. See, so often we don't want to do it, so we manipulate the scriptures to justify our sin as needs or do our own thing. You know, think about it. All these enlightened Christians now who think drinking alcohol is okay. So Beverly's dad gets saved. He's drunk all his, drinking all his life. And no one tells him it's a sin to drink alcohol. He just knew it. And he quit. He just knew it. Interesting, isn't it? And then you have these people who are supposed to be theologians of the scriptures who can't seem to understand that. We have people who are theologians of the scriptures who can't seem to understand that God promised his words would not pass away. You know, I'm afraid Revelation 22 describes a curse of such people. See, again, there has to be a believing, and that believing is a complete or full trust, a dependence, a surrender of the will. That's really what repentance is. You're giving yourself up. It's like you've committed a crime, and you're guilty, and you go and give yourself up. You don't try to run away or hide from it. You go to the police and give yourself up. Because you know you're guilty. And you're willing to face the consequences. We have to come to God and give ourselves up. That's really what believing here means. Giving yourself up. It's not a matter of just knowledge. No, it's a matter of Surrendering our will. So we see there's sending, hearing, believing. And when we choose to believe, we call on the Lord. There's a calling. Notice verse 12 and 13. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. And how then shall they call on him? of whom they have not believed. How should they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how should they hear without a preacher? The word call or calling here means simply to call on the Lord as a means to appropriate trust. It means I call on the Lord on my behalf with earnest desire. Again, the idea is to appropriate or take as my possession. To take for oneself as my Lord and my Savior. Zechariah 13, talking about when Israel was going to go through the tribulation and, and two-thirds of them are going to be destroyed. And a third of them is going to survive. 
And it says in Isaiah or Zechariah 13, 9, it says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on the name, on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people. And they shall say, The Lord is my God. You see, they, they're going to turn and say, The Lord is my God. They're going to turn to the Lord in that day and say, The Lord is my God. That's what this call means here. To say the Lord is my God. You know, Paul said when he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, No man saith by the Spirit, Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit, Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of God directs us to to, to take Jesus as our Lord and Savior. No man by the Spirit calleth Jesus accursed. The Spirit of God doesn't direct us to curse Christ. So it's it's simply a call or to appropriate, cast our dependence upon. Philippians 2, or 2 Timothy 2, 22 says, Flee also youthful us, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. And so, you know, yes, there needs to be a calling to appropriate what we know and believe to be true. You know, that doesn't require praying. It's just an attitude. A, a surrender of the will. I like what Brother Forney said one time. He went a across the lake in a very inopportune time to witness the man who was dying that he was told about. He said, I spent three hours giving him the gospel. And he said, I saw a man get saved. I saw it. No prayer. Just the countenance of his face. I saw a man get saved. He didn't utter any words. He'd asked. He asked Brother Forney. He said he pulled out an old Bible out of the arm of a chair. He pulled it out, ragged old Bible, and he turned to John chapter 3 and verse 5 and says, he read John chapter 3 about being born again. He said, I've asked priests, I've asked preachers, and nobody can tell me what this means. Can you tell me what it means? See, the call is we must simply appropriate, put our trust and dependence on him. And that, your Revelation twenty two seventeen says this, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life Whosoever will. It's a matter of will. Will you? Or won't you? It's not a matter of knowing. It's a matter of willing. It's a matter of willing.
Children of Israel knew. You and I know. The world knows. But are we willing? You know, have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you given yourself up in belief to him? Christian, are you open, willing to wholly follow the Lord your God? Are we faithful witnesses for him? He has sent us forth as his voice so that they might hear and know and be without excuse. Are we willing?